How childlike, simple, yet so encompassing, huge, sophisticated, and so utterly consequential. A wise man of the Jews came to Jesus by night to inquire of him. Thus this man was the first to whom Jesus revealed the greatest mystery a man can know and the greatest miracle man can embrace and even participate in. The man's name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the first son of Adam to hear these glorious and mysterious words, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. For me and for you, everything hinges on the words, except a man be born again. Something happened with MTDNA Eve. That's what science calls the first woman from whom all humans on the earth are descended. Something happened to Y chromosome Adam. That's what science calls the first man who is the father of us all. These first parents ate of the forbidden fruit, which was the only law God had given them. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The very day they ate of the fruit they died, what we know as the second death, they died spiritually. Adam and Eve were also cast out of paradise, and as a result of their sin, all of their children, you and me, were spiritually stillborn. Speaking of the new birth, Ephesians 2, 1 reads, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. God created a way of escape for fallen man. The way of escape is that we must put to death our old carnal person and become new creatures in Christ Jesus, entirely new. Water baptism reflects that very truth, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We need to be born again, born a very real second time, this time quickened, made alive, by God's Holy Ghost. A formal invitation is being presented to those of you who have not yet to surrender your lives to Jesus Christ. You were born the first time as the son of Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. But if you follow me today in this simple prompt, I will provide you will be born a second time, this time as a son or daughter of God. Today all your sins and all your shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's chains of bondage will be snapped like straw. Today, you will be free and heaven-bound. Truly, your soul is in your own hand. Here is the prompt I promised. Ready? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Revelation 12, 1 through 17. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. 
having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought on his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water, as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. God said, John 30, uh, chapter 7, uh, 38 and 39, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. God said, Exodus seventeen fourteen, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thee uh, this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Man said, the first man and first woman were dim-witted, running gatherers. They couldn't talk. They couldn't write. They couldn't count. They were just dumb hunter-gatherers, barely even recognizable as humans. Didn't you see the pictures? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,105, that will again certify the marvelous inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as ammunition in the battle for the lost souls of the sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's glorious face shine upon you with light and truth. Everything is literally made out of invisible words. God the Creator, who spoke all things into existence with His words, is identified as the Word in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Jesus Christ is named in Revelation 19.13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. God said man said has spent a considerable amount of time establishing by highly credible third-party sources the mysteries of the all-encompassing Word. The scientific community stood slack-jawed when they initially discovered that our DNA accomplished all its life-building marvels using a four-letter alphabet arranging the instructions to, li to life in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and books. Some have even dubbed it the Book of Life. For some time now, various scientific disciplines have been arriving at their own understanding of Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Satan is fully aware of the mystery of words. From the outset, he demonstrates his word skills. The first words he speaks to our grandmother Eve are recorded in Genesis 3, verse 1. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. With the addition of one word, hath, and a question mark, Satan brought about the downfall of man. Remove that added word and the question mark, and Satan would have simply stated, Yea, God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Of course, this would have been an accurate statement. However, in an act of unbelief and disobedience, Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, and Adam followed. A small sample of the results of Satan's victory include armies, police departments, hospitals, and graveyards. Satan's M.O., his driving mission, is to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. In order to fulfill his mission, Satan is fully aware that he must control the world's dialogue. His wordsmiths dominate in universities and textbooks, in Hollywood and online, in the mainstream media and in progressive governance. There is a virtual flood of words spewing out of their collective mouths at any given time, but unfortunately, the earth has opened its mouth. The devil's gatekeepers have successfully censored the word of God from the public forum in a big way, but unfortunately, God's earth has opened its mouth. Keep in mind the God said principle of the 180, the opposites. The circle has 360 degrees. At the 180 degree mark, you are at exact opposites. God is light. Satan is darkness. God is love. Satan is hate. God is life. Satan is death. The opposites, like measures, but at opposite positions. Jesus told the believers that they would be baptized in the Holy Ghost after his departure from the earth, and it began on the day of Pentecost, John seven thirty-eight and 39. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Out of the mouth of the redeemed proceeded rivers of living water. Even in the Holy Ghost-inspired words they spoke. In the initial manifestation on the day of Pentecost, the disciples spoke in the unknown tongues of the Holy Ghost, and the apostle Peter preached the Holy Ghost gospel. The floods of living water began. Their words, the words of the born-again, are rivers of living water. Remember the 180 principle and contrast Holy Ghost water with Satan's dragon water, 
Revelation 12:15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. The God of today's academics is evolution, which in their darkened minds has replaced the God of creation, the God of the Bible. According to evolution, instead of God the Creator, there was a big bang out of virtually nothing. From this nothing and the chaos of the explosion popped all the marvels of the earth, all of the wondrous life forms in its dazzling universe. According to evolution, instead of man being God's crowning achievement, where we were created in his image and likeness, Genesis 1.26, humanity evolved from a mysterious warm puddle of goo as a single-celled slime creature. That slime creature took millions and millions of years to evolve into what you see today, monkey to man, and our first cousin is a mushroom. Yeah, that really satisfies the inquiring mind, don't you think? You would naturally think not so good, but from kindergarten to university, the theory is hammered in. You'll find it in textbooks, see it parroted in Hollywood, hear it trumpeted by mainstream media. Pseudoscience and progressive politics alike shout with one voice, wow! Isn't that fantastic? Beware. Don't drink the dragon water. This is the first in a three-part feature on dragon water. Are you interested in literal? Watch as this short series demonstrates the earth opening its mouth and swallowing the dragon water literally. These features will focus on the discoveries of archaeology, paleontology, and geology as they open the earth's mouth to reveal its mysteries as it swallows the dragon's water of words gulp after Holy Ghost gulp. It was Darwin's premise that when the sciences, like, for example, archaeology, paleontology, and geology, would unearth more and more scientific finds, those finds would fully confirm the undeniable truth of evolution and reduce the God of the Bible to irrelevance. Well, it's been over 170 years since Darwin popularized the theory of evolution. In that time, archaeology, paleontology, and geology have watched the earth open its mouth and spit out untold millions of fossils and sundry other discoveries, yet not one uncontested missing link has been among them. What has been repeatedly found, however, is one proof after another that certifies the perfect supernatural inerrancy of God in his beautiful book, the Majority Text Holy Bible. This is feature one in the Dragon Water series, and we'll focus on archaeology. The field of archaeology was spade in hand, has prevailed upon the earth to open its mouth and tell its stories. Truly, most literally, the earth has opened its mouth. Several defining, several, excuse me, defining excerpts from previous God said, man said features follow. Gideon and Jerubbabel found the higher critics head for the tall grass. In the following excerpts from Encyclopedia of Bible Life, you'll find a quote from one William F. Albright, who stood a giant in the field of archaeology. He was an Orientalist and professor of Semitic languages at Johns Hopkins University. Albright was director of American schools in Jerusalem and led excavations in numerous places. A bibliography of Albright's work was written by Henry M. Orlinsky, where 473 items were listed. 
The following is from Encyclopedia of Bible Life. Nothing that has happened in the past 50 years has put the Bible on sure footing as the development of biblical archaeology. Without starting out to prove that the Bible is true, research has a posteriori come upon facts confirming and illustrating point after point, especially of Old Testament record. Higher criticism has received the blow and must henceforth be considered only in connection with the findings of archaeology. We now know that Abraham was not merely a Mesopotamian folk hero, but a historic personality, though not contemporary with Hammurabi, whose date is not 2000 B.C., but between 1728 B.C. and 1686 B.C., we now believe with Albright that Jericho fell later than 1375 B.C., others except 1400 or 1250. Confirmation has been found of the destruction and desertion of Shiloh by the Philistines after the Battle of Ebenezer and the capture of the Ark, 1050 B.C., Exodus 1 has been confirmed with the discovery of Egyptian Tanis and Pithom, uh, Tel Retapa, uh, store cities of Ramses II. The antiquity of the Song of Deborah has been demonstrated, and the pushing back of dates of portions of the Old Testament, once placed in the post-exilic period, has come about. Rosh Shamra in northern Syria has given us not only the lost Canaanite religious literature, but has helped us construct the progress of Israel's loftier religion by tracing its steps of ascent from the worship ways of its neighbors. We know now since Megiddo and Izion Geber excavations much about the economic foundations of Solomon's kingdom and the background of the temple building and chariot cities, cross-references synthesizing Babylon with Palestinian history in the 6th century B.C. have built up satisfactory conclusions. As Albright has pointed out in Archaeology and the Religion of Israel, the most brilliant and searching scrutiny of science has not lessened the preeminence of the Bible as a masterpiece of literature and an absolutely unique religious document. Nothing has been on earth which need disturb the faith of Hebrew or Christian, but much has been excavated which heightens this faith. No major contention of Scripture has been proved unhistoric. Those paragraphs were written over 70 years ago, and the situation for the higher critics has certainly not improved. The archaeologist Spade continues to dig, and God's word is continually confirmed. You would suppose at least one uncontested victory for the doctors of unbelief, but alas, not one. A few fi uh, final excerpts follow from Dr. Grant Jeffrey's book, The Signature of God. Dr. Nelson Gluick, the most outstanding Jewish archaeologist of the last century, wrote in his book, Rivers in the Desert. It may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And by the same token, Proper evaluation of biblical descriptions have often led to amazing discoveries. They form tesserae in the vast mosaic of the Bible's almost incredibly correct historical memory. Another respected scholar, Dr. J. O. Kinneman, declared, Of the hundreds of thousands of artifacts found by the archaeologists, not one 
has ever been discovered that contradicts or denies one word, phrase, clause, or sentence of the Bible, but always confirms and verifies the facts of the biblical record. Well-known language scholar Dr. Robert Dick Wilson, formerly professor, professor of Semitic philosophy at Princeton Theological Seminary, made the following statement. After 45 years of scholarly research in biblical textual studies and in language study, I have come now to the conviction that no man knows enough to assail the truthfulness of the Old Testament. When there is sufficient documentary evidence to make an investigation, the statement of the Bible in the original text has stood the test. It's all true. Every jot and every tittle in God's beautiful book. This is the solid rock and the place to build a life that will last forever. The critics must criticize. That's what critics do. God, on the other hand, must be God. I am that I am. Because that's just who he is. And all his words are true and righteous altogether. And yes, especially the miracles and the quote. The biblical skeptics, sometimes called minimalist, had boldly asserted that Moses couldn't read or write which is directly contradictory to the Word of God, which clearly states that Moses could do both. Consider this example in Exodus seventeen fourteen. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Church history declares that Moses penned the first five books of the Bible. In those five books you'll find over 40 references to writing and reading. Moses penned the first five books of the Bible, and Hebrew children learned to read and write. Revelation twelve sixteen, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. The March 24, 2022 headline on timesofisrael.com reads, Archaeologists claims to find oldest Hebrew text in Israel, including the name of God. The subhead of the article reads, Scholars date tiny cursed tablet found at Mount Ebal to 1200 B.C., which would prove Israelites were literate when they entered Holy Land, but findings have not yet been peer-reviewed. Excerpts follow. Archaeologist Dr. Scott Stripling and a team of international scholars held a press conference on Thursday in Houston, Texas, unveiling what he claims is the earliest proto-alphabetic Hebrew text, including the name of God, YHWH, Yahweh, ever discovered in ancient Israel. It was found at Mount Ebal, known from Deuteronomy 12:29 as a place of curses. If the late Bronze Age era of 1200 B.C. date is verified, this tiny, Two centimeter times two centimeter folded lead cursed tablet may be one of the greatest archaeological discoveries ever. It would be the first attested use of the name of God in the land of Israel and was set the clock back on proven Israelite literacy by several centuries, showing that the Israelites were literate when they entered the Holy Land and therefore could have written the Bible as some of the events it documents took place. This is a text you find only every 1,000 years, Haifa University professor Gershon Galil told the Times of Israel on Thursday. Galil helped decipher the hidden internal text of the folded 
leaf tablet based on high-tech scans carried out in Prague at the Academy of Sciences in the Czech Republic. Uh, Based on uh, epigraphical analysis of the scans and lead analysis of the artifact, Stripling and his team date the cursed tablet uh, to the late Bronze Age before or around 1200 B.C., if this dating is verified. It would make the text centuries older than the previous record holder for oldest Hebrew text in Israel and 500 years older than the previously attested use of the Tetragrammaton Yahweh, according to Galil. Writing in a similar alphabet was discovered in the Sinai Palinsa dating to the beginning of the 16th century B.C. The cursed tablet was discovered in earth originally taken from a cultic site at Mount Ebal, near biblical Shechem and today's Nabulus. Mount Ebal appears in Deuteronomy 11.29 as the place of curses and is revered by some Christians and Jews as the place where the biblical Joshua built an altar as commanded in Deuteronomy 27. It is described in Joshua 8.31 as an altar of unhewn stones upon which no man had lifted up any iron. As soon as I saw the tablet, I knew what it was because these cursed tablets are known. My heart almost jumped out of my chest, said Stripling. In addition to the fact of an early, if not the earliest, Hebrew inscription found in the land of Israel, Galil told the Times of Israel that this find sets to rest the ongoing academic discussion of whether the Israelites were literate. We know that from the moment they came to Israel, the Israelites knew how to write, including the name of God clearly, said Galil. It's not too surprising. People already knew how to write in other places, he added. The majority Hebrew language text, he posited, was written by the Israelites as an internal legal document, a form of social contract, warning the person under contract what would happen if he did not fulfill his obligations. According to researchers, it reads, Cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yahweh. You will die cursed, cursed. You will surely die cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. (laughs) Man, they put the curses on these people. Galil said the structure is a parallel chiastic, which is found elsewhere in the Bible, as well as in other Near Eastern texts of the period and even earlier. But until now, researchers have held that the Bible was only written down, if not composed, hundreds of years after the positive dating of this text. Now we see that someone could write a chiastic in the 12th century B.C. No longer should the conversation be about whether the Israelites were literate during the time of King David, he said. The person who wrote this text had the ability to write every text in the Bible, Galil stated, end of quote. Let's go back to the beginning of time to Adam and Eve. There is surely no reason to suspect that Adam could not read or write. Adam was a fully grown, mature young man into whom God had downloaded all the knowledge and skills a finely developed young man would possess at 30 to 33 years of age, the age of a biologically mature male. Adam was the son of God, defined in Luke 3.38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. At the start, Adam had on board sophisticated language skills, which were demonstrated when he was tasked with naming all of God's creation, including his ribbed wife Eve, Genesis two nineteen through 23. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, 
and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of a man. Adam named the hippopotamus, the rhinoceros, the giraffe, the wildebeest, elephant, kangaroo, and the duck, the cat, and the dog. God had downloaded all of the needed information a fully grown son of God should possess into Adam. Adam was not a hunter-gatherer or some grunting woman-dragging caveman. Adam was genius upon genius, living in paradise with his beautiful wife Eve. Josephus, or more accurately Joseph ben Matthias, was born in 37 A.D. Some would consider him the foremost of the world's ancient historians. Josephus had this history to record concerning Adam, Seth, and literacy. Now Adam, who was the first man, and made out of the earth, for our discourse must now be about him, after Abel was slain and Cain fled away on account of his murder, was solicitous for posterity, and had a vehement desire of children, he being 230 years old, after which time he had lived another 700 and then died. He had indeed many other children, but Seth in particular. As for the rest, it would be tedious to name them. I will therefore only endeavor to give an account of those that proceeded from Seth. Now this Seth, when he was brought up and came to those years in which he could discern what was good, became a virtuous man. And as he was uh, himself of an excellent character, so did he leave children behind him who imitated his virtues. All these proved to be of good dispositions. They also inhabited the same country without dissensions and in a happy condition, without any misfortunes falling upon them till they died. They also were the inventors of that peculiar sort of wisdom which is concerned with the heavenly bodies and their order, and that their inventions might not be lost before they were sufficiently known upon Adam's prediction that the world was to be destroyed at one time by the force of fire and at another time by the violence and quantity of water, they made two pillars, the one of brick, the other of stone. They inscribed their discoveries on them both that in case the pillar of brick should be destroyed by the flood, the pillar of stone might remain and exhibit those discoveries to mankind and also inform them that there was another pillar of brick erected by them. Now this remains in the land of Syriad to this day. End of quote. The world's scholars of detraction are once again taking up their tents and heading for a new location from which to snipe. However, it is always to no avail. The earth has opened its mouth. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Revelation 12, 15 through verse 17. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water, as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood with the dragon cast out of his mouth. 
And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. God said, John seven thirty eight and 39, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. God said, Exodus seventeen fourteen, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Man said, The first man and the first woman were dim-witted running gatherers. They couldn't talk, they couldn't write, they couldn't count. They were just dumb hunter-gatherers, barely even recognizable as humans. Didn't you see the pictures? Now you have the record.